So as we, uh, we move, we're, we're transitioning this uh, part of the Giver series. This is when we're going to talk about generosity uh, for the year. And you noticed uh, with Jess and Sam's video, uh, we're, we're kind of handling things a little differently this year and trying to be a little more, I guess, introspective and uh, looking a little more about uh, how this impacts people as we move into this. And that's why we, you're going to be hearing from folks like uh, Jess and Sam. And uh, so you're going to hear from them. And then in a couple of weeks, uh, Cindy Goldsberry and I are going to be sitting down. We're going to be filming a conversation. Uh, and that will be coming. We'll be presenting that to you basically as the sermon that uh, morning here in a couple of weeks. So uh, uh, come and uh, be impacted uh, by that. And always when I go into generosity, you know, we always go into this kind of stuff and we start talking about this. And you always get all kinds of questions like, you know, well, you know, is the tithe really 10%? And, you know, if it's 10%, is that 10% of my net or is that 10% of the gross? And does that include the stuff I pay in taxes? And what about stuff I pay to other people and all that? I get all these really interesting questions. And, and you know, my answer is, bless your heart. <laughs> Figure it out. <laughs> So, you know, there's some things that are just, you know, this is between you and God. So I'm, I'm going to tell you a little bit, you know, about what Scripture says and some things like that. But when it gets right down to it, this is, this is a conversation between you and God. And I, I, I'm, I, I'm really not capable of doing that for you. So uh, I'll guide you in that, uh, but this is your conversation with God. And as we go through this, I'm just going to invite you to be open um, to having that conversation in an authentic and real way uh, with the one who is our God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for gathering us together this morning and invite you to come and be present with us and open us up to what you would share with us this morning. Um, be present with us and breathe life into all that we do. Um, may the words of my mouth and meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I'm going to move into this because um, there's several passages of scripture I want to share with you. Um, these go back. Um, this is almost the oldest passage in the in scripture i'm going to share that with you next week but this is back in genesis so you know this is going this is going way back there guys you know way back there uh then jacob made a vow saying if god will be with me and will watch over me on this journey i am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that i return safely to my father's household then the Lord will be my God and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house and of all that you give me I will give you a tenth. Uh, one of the, this is the second earliest, not quite the earliest mention of a, of a tenth, giving back a tenth or a tithe. And, and it's interesting, you know, this is a, you know, it starts off, you know, it's really, I mean, you notice what Jacob's doing here. It really isn't all that noble, right? He's doing the same thing you've done, right? Okay, God, if you'll do this for me, he's making a deal with him, right? Okay, God, if you'll do this for me, I'll do it, right? Have you ever done that? Like, oh, Lord, just get me through, the, if you'll just get me through this test. Oh, Lord, if you'll just help me do this, Right? You've all done it at one point or a time. We all have. And, and so Jacob said, okay, God, if, you know, if, if you'll get me safely there and back and you'll provide me something to eat and, and clothes to wear and everything and bring me back here safe and sound in one piece, then this is what I'll do for you, God. I, I'm going to raise up this stone as a pillar because, of course, they didn't have grave, weren't allowed graven images. And so this was going to be the, the house of God, that Bethel, literally house of God. And, and I'll give you back a tenth of everything that you have provided for me, which is the earliest kind of that that or the second earliest kind of mention of that, you know, giving back to God in response to what God has done for us. So this, this idea of God has provided for us, and so therefore we are giving back out of gratitude for what God has provided for us. Uh, so this is back, way back when. I mean, we're going way back there in, in time where Jacob makes this commitment. Uh, Tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. This is out of Exodus. 
You're to receive the offering from me from everyone whose heart prompts them to give. One of the reasons I pull this passage out is that uh, you know, so often uh, we, when we get to giving and generosity, we begin to think about that in duty and obligation. And I wanted you to hear what God said. For everyone whose heart prompts them to give. Uh, don't, don't go out there, Moses, and beat them with the staff to give. Right? I mean, it's everyone whose heart prompts them, people who, whose God has touched their hearts, and their hearts are responding to what God has done for them. In Deuteronomy, uh, you're to seek the place the Lord your God will choose from among all your tribes to put his name there for his dwelling. To that place you must go. There bring your burnt offerings and sacrifices, your tithes and special gifts, what you have vowed to give and your freewill offerings, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks. Uh, you know, a lot of times when we think about tithes and we talk about that, people talk about, you know, well, it's giving back 10% of what God has given you and all that. They, they see that as, as, that's the ceiling. You know, the 10% is the ceiling. And, and what I want you to hear in that is, no, that's the floor. That's the floor. You know, you get this and your free will offerings. This is, this is for the Israelites. This is where it started. You know, this 10% was the starting point. And then on top of that, they gave other offerings. You know, sometimes... Um, there was a tremendous blessing in your life, a special blessing that came along, and so you were able to give more from that. Or sometimes, you know, you, you, you kind of blew it, like some of us do once in a while, and you made a mess of things in life. And so you kind of, you kind of did an offering kind of as a, a I'm sorry kind of offering. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, there were uh, people around who did not have enough, and so you did a special offering to help them out. That's called an alms, incidentally, A-L-M-S. And all that was on top of this kind of base 10%. So just kind of here, there's, there's different ways this gets talked about in Scripture. But I want you to hear the different kind of language around that. And then, you know, again, Deuteronomy reminds us, be sure to set aside a tenth of, of all that your fields produce each year. In, in old times, back there way before Jesus, you know, this was kind of a barter system. And so what people would do is they would bring part of their grain or their animals or whatever they had produced or uh, any craft they had created. They brought the, the literal product to be offered. Now, as time went on and, and people settled more and things became more urban and commercialized and you know, pe more people were making the trip down to Jerusalem to the temple, well, it was kind of difficult you know, to bring all your flocks and your grain and everything and haul them all the way down to Jerusalem. So somebody came up with this great idea. Well, you know what, we'll have this, we'll have this medium of exchange we'll call currency. And so you'll give me so much of your grain and your crops and I'll give you a certain number of coins that represents that. And then you can take that down to Jerusalem and redeem that for items there to be offered instead of having to haul that stuff all the way down. And that, that idea of currency spreads through all the world, you know. And so when you pull, you know, your dollar bills out of your wallet or uh, on your credit card or however you're doing it these days, that, that, that number represents the fruit of your labors. It represents, you know, the investment you've made in education and the time you've spent and the effort you've put into things. Uh, it's, it's not just a, a, you know, abstract number. It actually represents something that you have produced in your living and in your livelihood. So that's what we bring. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain, uh, from the soil, or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. This, this idea in Scripture that, that God has provided everything to us. So whatever we return to God, we are returning part of what God has already 
given to us. And you hear this even more in this passage out of 1 Chronicles. Uh, Our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Uh, There's an old uh, sung kind of piece of liturgy uh, that some of you may have done in certain churches. You know, everything is is thine, O Lord, and, and of thine own we have given thee. That old kind of piece that used to be sung that reflects this. You know, every, everything that comes into our hands comes from God, and everything we return to God, we are simply handing back to God what God has shared with us. From Nehemiah, you hear this passage <clears throat> when they're rebuilding the city uh, and, and putting back the temple and everything. Uh, we also assume responsibility for bringing to the house of the Lord each year the first fruits of our crops and of every fruit tree. As it is also written in the law, we will bring the firstborn of our sons and of our cattle, of our herds and of our flocks to the house of God, to the priests ministering there. Moreover, we will bring to the storerooms of the house of our God, to the priests, the first of our ground meal, of our grain offerings, of the fruit of all of our trees, and of our new wine and olive oil. Also, uh, and we will bring a tithe of our crops to the Levites, for it's the Levites who collect the tithes in all the towns where we work. Uh, this mention of the first fruits, uh, it, it, it's the first fruits. It comes off the top. It's not waiting for everything to settle and then kind of figuring out, well, what do I got left? It, it, it's the initial, it's the first piece. And this is a little different because most of the time we think of giving of our tithes as a, an act of gratitude of giving back to God. But this is actually a statement about faith in God's future provision. I don't need to wait to see how everything turns out. I'm going to trust that God has this, and so I can let go of this now and know that, that God is still going to provide for me in the future. And I think of all the passages in Scripture right now, that's probably the one that some of us are having the hardest time with because in the aftermath of the pandemic and everything that's gone with it, a lot of us are, are really nervous and anxious and fearful about what the future holds. And so it's, it's hard for us to say, okay, God, I, I know you've got it, I trust you've got it, and I know you're going to take care of it. And so I can let go of this now and trust that you will provide for me going forward. I think right now, more than ever, that's a, that's a difficult thing to do, which probably makes it an important spiritual discipline for us to engage in as an act of faith on our lives. In Proverbs... There's a teaching that says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. There you have that kind of idea of both gratitude and leaning ahead into provision in the future. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. It's easy to hear this as kind of the, the prosperity gospel kind of thing. You know, well, if you give, God will make you rich and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, most of us have been around for a while. We know it doesn't quite work like that, you know, most of the time, right? You know, because, you know, we're, we're, otherwise we'd all be rich, right? But we're, most of us aren't. And, but there's also a reality there that I've learned over the years, which is that, that, you know, when we are intentional about how we handle what we have, and we're serious about that, we honor God with it, generally speaking, we're okay. You know, we don't, we don't, we don't run out of money. Uh, we do all right. And when the time came when, uh, in our lives when we decided that we were going to really be serious about tithing, I think we'd been doing about 5 or 6%, something like that, up to that point. And, and then we made a decision that uh, my wife was going to stay home as, and, and be with our kids full-time for a number of years. And, and so in doing that, our income was cut in half. 
And as we talked about that, my wife said, well, you know, we, we need to keep giving that amount because really all we're doing is getting up to a tithe and doing that. And I'm going, yeah, but, but we need to eat too. And she's going, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. And, and, and so, you know, in our house, as often happens, she prevailed. And, 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 and as also happens, uh, we did eat. I mean, obviously, we did not starve. Uh, and one of the things it kind of reminded me of is that, you know, we, we tend to think we don't have enough, we don't have enough, we don't have enough. When we live in this wealthy, wealthy place in the midst of the world, even after giving a tenth, most of us still are living on more than 99.99% of the world will ever have. And we sometimes forget how wealthy we really are. And how much God has provided for us. My experience has been we, when we remember how well God has provided for us, we can let loose of that without fear, and we find that we're just fine. God's continued to provide for us. We're all right. And so, so kind of thinking through that, you know, the, I mean, the idea of the, the, the tithe, you know, this tenth that's given back in gratitude, and the first fruits, you know, we give off the top, you know, trusting that God's going to provide for us. Uh, we give with willing hearts because God has been good to us. And, and we give in confidence that as God has been good to us, God will continue to be good to us. And we can do this and be fine. Now, these are kind of basic kind of pieces that go around this idea of giving. And, and the key passage I want you to hear this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew. And it probably will be very familiar to you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, I, I've heard this most of my life. I, you know, I grew up with this. I mean, it's nothing, I mean, and, and you've probably heard it many times too uh, and, and heard this before. And you know, it's a familiar kind of saying uh, that we have, you know, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Um, it really, it wasn't until I heard Mark Beeson out of Granger Community Church do a sermon on this that I really kind of got a hold of it really well. I mean, and to a certain extent, you know, that's always been a reality in life, you know, that you, your money goes where you think, what you think is important. And uh, I can remember at a certain time in my life, uh, having to kind of sit down and, and put pencil to paper and realizing that I was going to have to sell off some of my stable of automobiles so that I could pay for college, uh, the, the college costs that my parents were not going to be able to help me with. And so I remember I, I made the decision to sell my 1967 Jaguar XKE oh, so I could finance college. What I didn't think about was that in making that decision, what I was saying was that I valued that education more than I valued that automobile. That was a decision to affirm one value over another. Now, considering what you uh, old XKE sell for this, these days, I'm not sure I was right, but, but nonetheless, you know, and, and frankly, you know, once in a while I still go back and look, you can ask my wife, I'll go back and look at pictures. Oh, uh, but, but nonetheless, that was the decision I made, to value one thing over another. Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And where your heart is, that's where your treasure is going to be. 
So I saw Mark Beeson do this sermon. He had a, a big dollar bill, and it was tied to a big cutout of a heart. And wherever that one went, the other had to go. You know, I mean, one had to follow the other. Because where your treasure is, there your heart is. And where your heart is, there your treasure is. I begin to think about that. I'm like, yeah, that's, yeah. That really is true. And then I did a walk to Emmaus. And uh, the first talk on that is a talk about priorities. And, and in the midst of that, they, they ask you to think about, you know, what, what are your priorities really? You know, what, where? And so you have to think about, where, where is my treasure? Where's my treasure? And they give you three questions uh, to work through on this. Uh, the first question is, you know, what do you think about the most? Where do you spend your mental energy? What are the things you think about? What are you reading about? What are you studying about? What are you imagining? Where do you spend your mental energy? What do you think about the most? The second question is, what do you spend your time on? Because for many of us, our, our time actually is maybe more precious than our money. I keep telling people, you know, if it's not on my calendar, it doesn't exist in my world. Uh, you know, sometimes our, our time is more precious to us. So what are you willing to give that precious time to? What are you willing to spend that time on? And then the third thing was, what do you spend your money on? Where do you part with your dollars? And they said, you know, if, if you answer all of these three questions honestly, if you answer them honestly, that's kind of a key thing, you'll know what you actually value in life as opposed to what you say you value. And I found it's, it's very true that in our compartmentalized thinking oftentimes, we don't realize that we affirm one thing and say, oh, this is really important to us. But in our living, we are actually affirming the value of something else. And so I, I want to encourage you to, during this week as you're going through this week to actually spend some time thinking about these three questions and answering them honestly. And saying, what, is that, what does that tell me about the values that I am actually living into, and is that, is that really what I want it to be? I grew up on the coast in Corpus Christi. Uh, I grew up uh, on the water quite a bit, uh, you know, surfing and fishing and sailing, uh, and I loved to sail. Uh, I had a good buddy that was a, a, a big-time sailor. Uh, and we started off on the little, you know, sunfish and those kind of things. But then he got an Olympic class dinghy, and uh, and we used to race that some. And uh, uh, he actually went on to be a, a very serious sailor. He's the two-time national champion in the J24 class, uh, and so he's 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 a serious guy about this. But you know, having grown up with that, I always loved it, and all of them was always on someone else's boat. And when Cindy and I sold our home here in Austin in 1985 and moved back down to Corpus for the next six years. Um, we made some money on the house, one well, like it is now, but it was it was it was pretty good. We made some money on the house, and we decided to do two things with the money we made. Um, we decided we were going to make a trip to England because she'd always wanted to go to England. We'd never been able to do it, and so we had the funds to do it. So we we made this amazing trip to England, uh, first time I had been, and had a wonderful time. And the second thing was we decided that we were going to buy a boat. So we went and we purchased a 123 sailboat 
that we kept in the marina uh, in Corpus Christi. And we could, uh, it was in the dock, slip in the water all the time. So uh, after work, if we wanted to, we could meet down there and take some dinner and go out for a little short sail, or we could go out for the races or whatever. It was very convenient and very easy to get in and out with. Um, and then something really interesting happened. My wife got pregnant. And I don't know, women, uh, I don't know if you've had this experience, but when she became pregnant, she became very prone to seasickness. Is that, is that anybody? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. So, I mean, I've had some people, other people have said, oh, yeah, that happened to us too. But she got to where, I mean, she get on the boat, and we, we just couldn't hardly do anything before she'd be, you know, sick. So, you know, my crew was suddenly cut, you know. <laughs> Made it a lot harder to go sailing, you know. And we, we weren't going out that often, and we couldn't get out when it was really rough because she would get so sick. And, and so we weren't using it that much, and we were paying slip rentals for it. And then uh, every year, year and a half or so, you know, when you keep a boat in the water, in salt water, you have to have it hauled out, and you have to have the bottom cleaned and uh, repainted uh, with a, a type of material that repels growth on it. And, and so we did that and had some other repairs to it, and I got the bill, and it was like three times what I thought it was going to be. Uh, and, and I really, I felt, awful. And I, I, I got my wife on the phone. I'm going, oh, I, I, I really, I feel awful about this. I did not realize how much it was going to cost. I mean, it's going to cost this much money. I said, I'm really sorry about that. I felt really terrible about it. And, and my wife was very gracious. And she said, that's okay, honey. It's all right. I know how much you love to go sailing, which made me feel really bad. You know, I mean, just really bad. Chew me out, you know, please don't be understanding, you know, but she was very understanding about it. But it, but I started thinking about, you know, we don't really use it that much, and we're spending all this money for a slip fee and for insurance and for maintenance. And is that really where I want my money to go? And so made the decision to sell it. Sold it to a retired gentleman up here in East Texas. He has it on Lake Livingston, at least as far as I know it's still there. I took it up there. I hope he's had a great time enjoying it. But I sold it to him, and it was instantly out from under it. And two great things happened out of that. One, I, I signed on a crew with someone else on their boat, which was a much larger boat. And the great thing was it didn't cost me anything. I got the sail on Wednesday nights with him in the races, and if it broke, it wasn't my problem right? And the other thing was it, it freed up money for us that we then had available to spend on things that were really important to us. And I keep finding every so many years I've got to go back. I've got to go back and say, okay, Tom, you know, what are you really, what are you thinking about the most? What are you spending your time on? Where are you spending your money? Is that, really, is that really what your treasure is? Is that really where your heart is? And if it isn't, what do you need to change? So as we move through these next couple of weeks, we're going to go back and look at this scripture where Jesus reminds us, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I'm going to keep asking you to think about, you know, where's your treasure? Really, where's your treasure? And where's your heart? Let's pray. Almighty God, 
We give you thanks for all that you have provided for us. Uh, You've placed us in, in, in this place of abundance. And so often we take that for granted. We begin to live as if it all comes from us instead of coming from you. And oftentimes we become so careless that we we're not even aware of how we are using the gifts that you have placed into our hands. So come and let your spirit rest on us in grace and love and affirmation and open our eyes and our hearts up that we might see what our lives declare and that we might be able to honestly, honestly say where our treasure is and where our hearts are and where we want them to be. We ask you to lead us in this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.